I want to tell you a story this morning that I may have told you before, and if I have, please forgive me and be patient and gracious with me because I think it deserves retelling. When I was a little boy, I have this vivid memory of going to uh, the uh, store with my dad. Now, we kids, I have a brother and a sister, and we always loved going to the store with my dad um, because when my mom went to the store, she always had a list. My mom's sitting right back there. You can ask her if any, if all this, you may think, I never make these stories up. This is all true, right, mom? We loved going to the store with dad because when mom went to the store, she always had a list and she never went off the list. Like if we went up there, we said, mom, I want cocoa puffs. She would say, no, it's not on my list. When we'd go to the store with dad, he'd, he, we would say, we want cocoa puffs and chocolate candy bars and we'd get them, wouldn't we, mom? So anyway, I have this vivid memory. It's just me and my dad going to the store one day. My mom had, was making something for supper. And uh, I don't remember what it was, doesn't matter. So it was just dad and I went to the store. And we picked up whatever it was that we were picking up. And we were on the way home. He pulls into the driveway. And just as I'm about to jump out of the car and do whatever it is a little boy does in Newton, Iowa, back in the late 60s or early 70s or whatever it was, um, he stops me and he says, hold on. And I said, what? And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a receipt, and some change. Remember me telling you this story? And he starts looking over the receipt and comparing it to the change in his pocket. And he says, we got to go back. And I said, why? And he says, well, I'm pretty sure that the lady at the checkout counter gave me a nickel too much change. Now, even back in the late 60s and early 70s, a nickel wasn't a whole lot of money, all right? So I remember saying to my dad, I said, dad, it's just a nickel. And then it happened. He says, that's true. But it's not my nickel. Right? You remember that story, don't you? So, he puts the car in reverse. We go back to the store. He hands the lady at the checkout counter the nickel. She thought we were nuts. <laughs> and we come home. And he never spoke about it again. But he didn't have to. Because here it is 50 years later, and I still remember that lesson. A lesson on integrity. Now, I tell you that story again because I think it illustrates the lesson that God wants us to kind of explore this morning. And the lesson is this. You've heard um, the saying that that um, everything you needed to learn, you learned in kindergarten. Well, that's wrong. The fact of the matter is, everything that you should learn, the essentials that you should be learning, you should be learning from home. Now, I say should because most of us have kind of bought into the cultural norm that says it is the job of the schools, kindergarten. It is the job of the church to... Um, teach us, to teach our children and our grandchildren. And you're right, it is the job of the schools and the church to teach our children and our grandchildren. But if we ever lose sight of the fact, the fundamental truth, that the, the, the essentials of life need to be taught at home, then we're in trouble. When we lose sight of the fact that, that 
these essentials, these foundations of life um, are things that we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be teaching our children and our grandchildren. Then we're in trouble. My wife is a teacher, even at a Christian school. And she has, she has noticed over the last, over the course of her career, how the, the kids that she's teaching, she teaches kindergartners, and as they come, that they don't seem to be prepared, even knowing how to tie their shoes sometimes, or um, button their coats. Because I truly believe that we as a culture have bought the idea that it's not our job to teach our children. That's what we pay. That's what you pay Pastor Craig for. Or those teachers. That's wrong. God wants to use you. In the next several um, weeks, um, I'm starting a new sermon series that's going to be focusing entirely on discipleship. And discipleship is one of those religious words that's really as simple, which means to grow into a follower of Jesus. And what I want to do in these next few weeks in particular is I want to give you some tools that will help you to grow as a follower of Jesus. Now, we're going to be talking about this for uh, quite a while, about discipleship and growing in, but I'm going to give you some fundamental tools that belong in your discipleship toolbox that will help you to grow as a disciple of Jesus, to learn to grow as a disciple of Jesus. But today, um, the thing that I think God wants us to focus on is the fact that the foundation for that growth begins at home. So, if you have your Bibles, um, I want you to turn to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. It hadn't been that long ago since we went into the book of Proverbs, so you probably know where it is. If you don't have your Bibles, take out your phone. I bet you have a phone app. If you don't have a phone app, ask Tom and he will set you up with a Bible phone app. Right, Tom? You got one? You have one on your... Good job. Okay. Proverbs chapter 22, and as you're doing that, I'll give you a little uh, history or a little reminder of the history of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is unlike any other book in the Bible. Did you know that? It's different in that you can take um, one verse in in the book of Proverbs, lift it out of its context, and the odds of you being able to understand its meaning are really good. Because a proverb is a short kind of pithy saying of wisdom that actually does stand all by itself. You can lift it up out of the scripture, you can read it, and you can go, okay, I get the lesson. Now, if you try to do that with other books of the Bible, you're going to end up in trouble all the time. Because most of the books of the Bible are written in such a way that if you were to try to just take one verse out of its context without understanding on what's going on around it, you'd probably completely misunderstand but that's not the way it is with the book of Proverbs. As I shared with you a little while ago, the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon, right? And King Solomon was known as what? Who can remember? The wisest man to have ever lived. And, to mor- and this morning's scripture um, is going to show you, prove to you, I think, just how wise he really is. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says this. It says, raise up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they'll not depart from it. Let me say that again. 
Now, some of your translations may say it a little different, but it's basically, you'll, you'll see, they says basically the same thing before I'm through. Raise up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they'll not depart from it. There's two parts of this proverb. One, uh, the first part is a teaching. The second part is a fact, which is meant to encourage you. We're going to start with number one, the first part, the teaching. Raise up a child in the way they should go. Now you're thinking, what is wise about that? Let me tell you. What he's trying to say to you is that it's your responsibility to raise your children and your grandchildren. I'll help as your pastor. Your kids' school teachers will help. Megan as the Sunday school teacher will help. But ultimately, it is your responsibility raise up your children and your grandchildren. It is your responsibility to help lay a firm foundation for their lives. A firm foundation of ethics and morals like my dad was doing in the the driveway that day, right? And of faith. It is your responsibility to raise up your children in the way they should go. To lay that firm foundation. Now, here's something else that was wise that was being said that you may have missed. King Solomon was saying, as you raise up your child in the way they should go, as you raise up your children with this firm foundation of morals, ethics, and faith, you need to know your children. Now you think, that's stupid. Who doesn't know their children? Well, for those of you that think you know your children, let me ask you a question. Even if your children are older now, let me ask you a question. Do you know your children well enough to determine how they learn best? Do you think you do? Did you know that everybody learns differently? Some of us are better learners auditory learners, right? Some of us are better visual learners. Some of us are better uh, at learning by doing. And you want to know what? It, they're, they're, the fact of the matter is there's, there's a thousand different combinations of, the, of that. Everybody learns differently. And figuring out how your children and your grandchildren, by the way, Randy, if you haven't figured out how you learn yet, it's not too late. You need to figure this out. By the way, I'm going to give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Um, people have asked me before, they say, Craig, how do, you, how do you learn your sermons every week without using notes? I learned how I learn. Now, there's a whole process that I go through, but I learned a long time ago a very important thing about how I learn. I have learned that I can take my sermon, which I've been working on all week, and I can go to bed on a Saturday night, Work on it, read through it, work on it a little bit, then lay it aside, pray, and go to bed, and guess what happens in the morning? I can do this. I don't know how that happens, but I learned a long time ago that that's how my brain works. That somehow when I go to bed at night, if, I, if that's the last thing that I've thought about before I go to bed at night, it's like my brain cogitates. You ever heard that term? Got to be old and use the word cogitate. My brain cogitates on it apparently. So when I get up in the morning, it's just there. I don't know how it happened, but that's how I learn. Everybody learns differently though. 
And figuring out how your children learn or your grandchildren learn is a big deal. If you want, if you want to raise up a child in the way they should go, you better be figuring out how they learn best so that they can actually receive it. And don't presume that they learn the same way that you learn because they may not. Okay? All right. Raise up a child in the way they should go. That's the teaching part of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Now, here's the fact. The next part, it says, raise up a child in the way they should go. And then it says what? When they get old, they'll not depart from it. That is a fact. And an encouragement. Some of you may have noticed that um, you did your very best to raise up your children in the way they should go. Right, Mark? And, I'm just teasing Ryan. But some of you may have noticed that you did your very best to raise up your children in the way they should go, and as you look at them today, you're going... Because why? Because your kids get to choose for themselves. You can give them all the tools that they need to live a successful life, but ultimately they get to choose because we have freedom. But I, I hate, I loved, I tell people this all the time, I loved being a parent. I loved being a parent. I hated being the parent of teenage children and of adult children. I love my children, but I hate being the parent of adult children. Because I watch them doing stupid things all the time and I can't do anything about it. <laughs> well, here's some encouragement. This is, really, this is what he's getting at. This is, what the, this is the encouragement of the fact. Raise up a child in the way they should go and when they get old, they'll not depart from it. What he's basically saying is, you are, God is promising you that at some point or another, the things that you've taught them, that firm foundation of morals and ethics and faith, if you did it well, sooner or later they'll come back to it. They may have a wide and uh, windy road to get there, but they'll come back to it. How do I know that? Because King Solomon, the wisest man in the world, inspired by the Holy Spirit, which means it was a promise from God, not from King Solomon, said that's the way it will be. Raise up a child in the way they should go. And when they get old, we don't know when that is. They'll not depart from it. Now here's what's ironic. King Solomon, the guy that wrote this psalm, lived it. Now we don't know if he wrote the psalm when he was young or if he wrote it when he was old. We don't know that. But what we do know, according to Scripture, was that he was, he was raised the firm foundation of morals, ethics, and faith. And we also know that at some point in his life, he kind of drifted away from those things. And he became a cynical, bitter man. And then we know that at some point in his life, he came back to it. Because it says it in the Bible. But more importantly, because it was a promise that's found in the Bible. Raise up a child in the way they should go. And when they get old, they'll not depart from it.
Now, at this particular point, you should be asking a very practical question. How do you do that? Right? Okay, I get the lesson, but how do you raise them up the right way? Is there a right way? I don't know. I, honestly, I don't think there is a right way to raise children. And the reason why I say that is because of what I said earlier. All of our kids are different. All of us are different. Some of us are auditory learners. Some of us are visual. Some of us are doers. So I can't tell you how to do it, but I can tell you where to start. And that's where those discipleship tools that I promised I would be teaching you in the next few weeks come in. If you will use these tools in the, in the way that fits your children and your grandchildren the best, if you will use these tools in the way that fits you the best, you can use them to grow to learn to grow to be more like Jesus. Now one thing you need to know about these tools that I'll be sharing with you in these next few weeks is that it's God's intention that all of them be used in community. You know what that means? Basically what it means is that God intends these tools, these discipleship tools that will help you to learn to grow to be more like Jesus. God intends you to use them with each other, with your children and your grandchildren, your spouse, with your friends. In other words, life is better when we do it together. Now, one of the things you'll discover as we get into these discipleship tools, that you'll discover that some of them you could easily do all by yourself. And that's okay. If you make the decision to use some of these discipleship tools by yourself sometimes, good for you. But just don't forget they're intended to be used in community because life is better together.